The mayor's proposed budget uh, made a significant cut in the Community Police Review Board year over year. We've submitted a, a number of supportive documents, uh, records, which uh, explain what, what we're asking for this year. And, you know, I, I think that this council can get us here. Uh, you know, we've talked a lot about the council's power. We've had a, a full year now of implementing Local Law J, truly implementing the full scope of it. And, you know, we've learned a couple things. There's been, you know, tremendous tension that we've seen as the status quo and establishment that ex has existed for you know, decades pushes back on the implementation of community police oversight. Uh, you know, to a large extent, that tension and that opposition is seen every time a city tries to implement uh, community police oversight, and we're seeing it now. Now, along with the tremendous tension we've seen, we also see something uh, that is much more uh, beneficial for the city. We see real possibility uh, of what this board can do for the city of Albany uh, in terms of improving community relations with the police department. You know, it's something that this city has fought for for a long time. For more than 20 years, the board has existed. And, you know, our predecessors, I can't speak highly enough of what they, the work they did we're now in a new phase that requires uh, the city to commit real financial resources, real financial resources to ensure that uh, actual independent oversight becomes a reality here. Uh, that possibility, you know, I, I was looking at our past meetings over the last uh, month since we started this budget cycle and I'm always encouraged to hear the, you know, the voices of support that we hear in this council as we talk about the CPRB. And I'm encouraged at the possibility that this council can really use its power, uh, which is clear in the charter, to uh, give the board uh, a real chance to push back against you know, the status quo that's existed for 20 years. I think it can be done, and I think the council you know, has the ability to do it. But to get to that possibility, we have to talk with our wallets here, you know. It's one thing to say it, we have to actually have the money to do it. Uh, thank you so much for being here. Could you just uh, mention some specific um, priorities that an increase in your budget will be able to help the CPRB do? There's two budget scenarios we presented to the council this year, depending on which way it needs to go. In terms of What's realistic is increased monies are, you know, not only necessary, but they're really vital in allowing us to perform our core function, which is that independent police oversight. Most of the money, uh, council member, that we're looking for goes primarily to those independent investigators, consultants, uh, who we've been using. I think that, I mean, we already have to make tough choices of what we use our full authority for. Without the money we're asking for, council member, we're going to be even more restricted, even more limited than we were in the last year. And I think, you know, that's really not acceptable because we see the challenges getting more intense in this next year as we get into year two of pushing even harder to implement this. Hello, Canyon Ryan. I'm the executive director of United Tenants. You may have seen in the news today, Newberg's study 
just came back and they have a 4% vacancy rate in ETPA eligible properties. So within the next two weeks, they shall declare a housing emergency and they will also opt into ETPA. So that's Kingston and Newburgh. That brings us up to 40 municipalities that now have the Emergency Tenant Protection Act and Rent Stabilization and a Rent Guidelines Board. I hope that Albany is the 41st because I see it in my job at United Tenants that people are really struggling to find affordable housing. It's almost impossible for me to believe that any study could come back above 5% given the extreme difficulty that our housing counselors and tenant advocates and tenant organizers have in locating affordable housing while we're organizing buildings that are you know, hostile takeovers from out-of-state landlords that are just price gouging people out. People have a lot of misconceptions about rent control. Can you tell us a little bit about what buildings are eligible and how that process works? And then if we were to opt in, um, what other municipalities have done to actually move forward with the implementation of rent control? Sure. Eligible properties are those built before January 1st, 1974, with six or more units, so 74, six or more, um, meaning anything built after 1974 is not eligible. Anything that's like provided by a school or a not for, like a university or a not-for-profit or the hospital housing, none of that is ETPA eligible. It doesn't impact dorms. Um, it doesn't seem to impact small landlords. It's like baseline stats in the 15th ward. It's 92% of that ward's ETPA eligible properties are owned by like big corporations. Um, and then in the 14th ward, over 85% are owned by uh, landlords with more than 100 units. So it's something that doesn't generally impact small, you know, one-shot landlords. And for the other cities that have opted into ETPA, uh, so once you opt into ETPA, the city then has to declare a housing emergency. Once the housing emergency is declared, rents in those eligible properties are frozen. And then the Common Council in this case would have people come in front of them, identify members of the Rent Guidelines Board, which consists of nine members of the public. It would be three representatives of tenants, three representatives of real estate, and then three just like general community residents. They would meet, they would set uh, what's called the initial legal uh, regulated rent, which is a baseline rent. So it's kind of tricky, but essentially this is the one opportunity where tenants have a right to challenge rent increases that have occurred since an uh, arbitrary date that gets set by the Rent Guidelines Board. So in Kingston, the Rent Guidelines Board said, okay, RILRR is going to be January 1st, 2019. <clears throat> and then tenants were able to challenge rents that were above the fair market rent or rents that had increased more than 16%. And that's why Kingston decreased rent 15% because it was based on that ILRR. So it also gives tenants the one opportunity that they'll probably ever have, and it doesn't happen again after you enter into ETPA, to challenge rent increases that have happened since an arbitrary date, which is also really impactful when we're talking about the way that rent prices have increased in Albany since the pandemic started. Um, can you give us the figures of about how many residents this would affect? Uh, over 15,000. Well, it's more than a quarter of the renter population in the city of Albany. Good evening. My name is Marco Flagg, and uh, I'm here to ask the Common Council to allot funding for a vacancy study. That would then help to trigger ETPA. Because I, I live in an ETPA-eligible property, so I get to be uh, a tenant here talking about uh, why it's important for me. I got a, a dog, a rescue dog, and I'd like walk him around the neighborhood and stuff like that. And doing that, I kind of see that the neighborhood I'm, I live in, it's a great neighborhood, to be honest. Like, 
you know, it's close to Washington Park. There's schools all around. Um, there's green space. Dog loves it. This could be, you know, a spot like a neighborhood where, you know, I could spend more time. I could settle down or whatever. However, given the, the rent increases that I see every day through my work at UTA that uh, affect neighbors, affect colleagues, could very well affect me the next, next year, the next month, and three months from now. Puts a real, real limit on our, because it's not just me, sense of future and belonging to a community that is a great community, but that, you know, there's this barrier. Rent has been just increasing like crazy, and so it really is heartening your support for uh, this sort of policy. My name is Keith Irish. I'd like to comment tonight on your community media cable access channels, commonly referred to as Channel Albany, Channel 1301, but also consists of Education Albany, Channel 1302, and Government Albany, Channel 1303 on Spectrum Cable, and how they are being underfunded, underutilized, and understaffed, some might say being treated like that third unwanted stepchild and being neglected. You have control of the funding as PEG access funds, proposed amount to, of an increase to $50,000, which amounts to 4%. How many of you have actually been in a production studio? How many of you have actually know where it is? How many of you know what days and hours it's open? How many of you actually watch the channels, mostly programmed and scheduled in Schenectady? Yes, Schenectady, and not in-house where the equipment and software should be. I ask that you plan in the near future hearings on the needs of Channel Albany.